Good morning, everyone. So today we are looking at the next verses, 19 to 21, from our scripture from Galatians 5. If I can have the slides up, please. Here we go. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Hmm. There we go. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. There was idolatry and witchcraft. There he goes. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, divisions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before. that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Nice, easy topic here. So, I've entitled this week, Be Careful. I've taken this one. I organized the series for this lot of teaching, and I didn't think it was fair to tell anybody else that it should be theirs to teach. So, we said a couple of weeks ago that the book of Galatians was written to a group of people who'd heard the good news about Jesus and had given their lives to follow him, to become part of the kingdom of God. And last week, Jan taught us about how the life of the Holy Spirit in us and the desires of our flesh, those desires that make us want to sin, are at war within us, like a great big spiritual and emotional tug of war. When we give our hearts and lives to Jesus, Scripture tells us that God clothes us in white and that God sees us as perfected by looking at us through Jesus. It's like God's got one of those filters on his phone, a Jesus filter. It doesn't give you bunny ears. It makes you look like Jesus so that I look like Jesus when every time that God looks at me. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we're marked as not guilty before God, so that the bad things we do aren't held against us. Jesus died to take away the sin and the guilt of the world, and we are free because of what he did. But Paul teaches that we can't take that freedom for granted and carry on the lives that were controlled by the desires of our flesh before we gave our lives to Christ. In Ephesians, we read that when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. God has put a seal, like an old-fashioned wax seal on us. We are his, and we cannot be taken away. The Holy Spirit lives within us. You and I, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But 
But if we do the things that we did before, then there becomes a war inside us. The Holy Spirit and our fleshly desires fighting for who will win. Now, I know that sometimes these verses can, um, can make you wonder then if I carry on with some of those things, if I still get drunk, if I still hate people, if I still see the sodes of division, will I lose my faith? Can I, if I don't inherit the kingdom of God, does that mean that I lose my salvation? So I want to make it clear that I don't think that that's what Paul is saying. I agree with Billy Graham who says this. Remember, when we come to Christ, he comes to live within us by his spirit, that deposit that Ephesians is talking about. And he never departs from us. And when we come to him, God adopts us into his family and we become his children. He'll never disown us or disinherit us. If he did reject us, it would mean our salvation depends on what we did, on how good or bad we are. But we can never be good enough for God's standard is perfection. Our salvation depends solely upon Christ, our Jesus, who died to take away our sins. I'm very privileged to have my own adopted child. So I understand a little how God feels in this. We, you, I, every one of us here is his precious child whom he loves. Blood is not important. The spirit is important in this scenario. His Holy Spirit in us. We have been adopted into his family. So, what does it mean then that we will not inherit the kingdom? Because while Jesus was on the earth, he focused his teaching and his whole ministry on the kingdom of God. The phrase... The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom occur more than 90 times in the Gospels. Jesus taught us that the kingdom of God was a new way of living and thinking, not a physical, geographical kingdom with borders and a ruler or a president, but a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is about transformation of the heart and mind. A way of believing and living that prepares us for the life to come, for eternity. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then your citizenship isn't of this world. You are a citizen of heaven now on the earth. And you will be a citizen of heaven through eternity. The kingdom of God is God's reign. And consequently, we need to let him reign in our hearts. It's about his kingship and our obedience to his rule. In his kingdom, the first shall be last, the broken are blessed, we love our neighbor, and we rejoice when the lost are found. His kingdom comes as each one of us bows our knees and our hearts and our heads, and confesses that he is king. And we choose to live our lives as loyal citizens to him. So in this 
It isn't about what we do or don't do. If you're born again and the Spirit's at work in you, you won't want to fall back. The Holy Spirit is working in you. It pulls you forward. Our fleshly desires, they want to pull us back. But the Spirit of God pulls us forward. God is good. And he pulls us forward. And scripture tells us that if we carry on the ways of before and there's no transformation, there's no letting into God and that pulling forward, then we are foolish. We are like we look at ourselves in a mirror and then we walk away and we forget what we look like. We need to choose well and we need to remain Focused on Jesus so that he can show us the way forward. Because the thing is, you, me, everybody, oh, I think there's a song in that. We all have evil desires. We just do. We are sinful by nature. We all have things about us that we don't like. Chris came up here last week and talked about Philippians and how we must do everything without grumbling. Oh, well, that's me. I grumble about everything. I, Mrs. I don't want to do it, God. There are always things about us that we don't like. And we shouldn't ignore them. We shouldn't just push them down and go, I'm a Christian. I'm perfect. There's nothing wrong with me. What we need to do under the Holy Spirit's guidance, is we need to deal with them. As our verses tell us, they can be obvious. They're all obvious. You and I do not need it pointed out to us that we do stuff wrong. Well, if anybody is in this room who is perfect, I would love to meet you, sit at your feet, learn how to be perfect too. Yeah? We don't actually need to be pointed it out to us because they're obvious. I don't expect that all of us relate to some of the things on our list. I don't practice witchcraft. Sometimes I like to control things, though. I like to work out how a scenario is going to happen. I don't practice witchcraft. But sometimes there are things that we do that look like control. I uh, haven't been to any orgies. Say that up front. I haven't. There are people in the room who didn't even know what that was. I love you dearly because you didn't know what it was. Um, It's nice to be innocent. However, have I ever drunk too much? Yes. It's a true story. Have I ever been jealous? Have I ever held anger in my heart or been selfish? And I'm not the only one. If I am the only one, I don't know why I'm teaching at the front. I'm not the only one. Because we all understand what it's like to not live fully in the Holy Spirit. Our scripture today from the life of Jesus is from the parable of the sower. 
While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell onto the good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that though though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the words from their hearts. So that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. When they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, their fleshly desires. And they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with the noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So, at the time that Jesus walked the earth, this was obviously a very common sight. There was a farmer sowing seeds in a field. And the seed, Jesus tells us, is the word of God. And the kingdom comes into life when the seed takes root in the good soil and begins to germinate and to shoot. The word of God is the Bible, but more than that, it's the living word, Jesus Christ. The gospel of John describes Jesus, the word of God becomes man dwelling amongst us. And when we believe in Jesus and let the seed of his words and truth take root in our hearts, We enter into the kingdom of God. The seeds contain life. If you look at a seed, you can't see or feel or hear or smell the life that is in that seed. There's only one way to prove that a seed is is alive, and that's to plant it. Seeds don't grow sitting on a shelf. 
They must be planted in the proper place. And the proper place, the ground, is our hearts and lives. And we need to choose, well, what we do with them once the Holy Spirit has come to live in us. Do we let him transform us to good, cultivated ground? Do we do everything we can to water and feed the soil, to weed it, to take hold of the thorns of our fleshly desires when they first appear, with our gardening gloves on? If our hearts are hard and impacted, will we let God plough the ground, make it soft so that it can bear fruit? We can fall away, hear God's word and take it lightly until troubles come or riches and our fleshly desires take us away. And then the scripture says, we won't mature. And without maturity... It is hard to persevere, and it takes persevering to mature. We don't actually want to be a room full of babies and small children. We want to be men and women of God, stood firm with the words of life growing, with the Holy Spirit growing within us. The passage from Galatians, you'll be pleased next week, He's talking to us about love. And then there's joy and peace and all of the good things from this passage. It's all about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if we live according to the way of Jesus, instead of the way of our fleshly desires, or at least alongside them while we get them to submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit, then we will see love, joy, patience, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness and self-control grow within us, transform us and transform everything around us. And we will be more mature. When Jesus started preaching, he said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. It's here. I'm here, says Jesus. The kingdom is here because I am here. But he also teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. And we should pray that every day. Bring the kingdom more, Lord, because it's not here the way we want it to be. Bring the kingdom. Bring your reign fully in people's lives, in my life, in Ukraine, in the world. But you you and I, we live in this in-between place where these two things are true. That God's kingdom has come and is coming. God's kingdom is here in my heart and will come and is coming and will come fully when Jesus returns. And when he does return, or we die and enter into the eternal promised life that is our inheritance, then the things on our list, drunkenness, debauchery, sexual immorality, division, hatred, selfish ambition and the like, They're simply not compatible with the new day. While we're here on earth, we are being prepared for the bridegroom to come and take us home. Our spirits and our souls are being honed. When we go to heaven, praise God, I don't have to keep this body. I'll get one that works properly. Amen. The bit I take is my spirit, my soul, my character, the things God is doing within me. That's what I take to heaven. 
And if I've spent all my time giving in to my fleshly desires and not living in the way of the Spirit, letting him lead me and guide me and transform me, I think maybe I'm leaving some of me behind. Because it's not compatible with the new day. It's not compatible with heaven. And we're here on the earth, we're being prepared for the bridegroom to come and take us home. And if we constantly give in to our base, human, animalistic desires, those needs, rather than the spirit, then what does it, what does it look like? How do we move forward? So, <laughs> when you give your life to Jesus, the Bible tells us, We become new creations. I believe that has happened. And then we spend the rest of our lives growing into that new shape of what that new creation looks like. I've said a lot of things. Where does that leave us this morning? Um, First off, I would say, if you have never given your lives to Jesus, there's an invitation here to be a new creation, to be transformed, to live a new life in and for the kingdom of God. The invitation is here in front of you right now. But honestly, the invitation is here when you get home and tonight and tomorrow and every day. (laughs) Because God invites, God wants you to come. And uh, it isn't a life without trouble. I'm not going to promise you that all your Problems disappear when you give your life to Christ. But I am going to tell you that it's an adventure. And Jesus walks that adventure with you. He goes with you every single day, every single moment. And he is the biggest cheering squad that you can imagine. When we pray, if you want to give your life to Jesus, do Give your life to him. Invite him into you. Then come tell one of us and we'll pray for you and we'll love you and we'll rejoice with you like all the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Because that's what scripture tells us when anyone comes to Jesus. The angels rejoice and we will rejoice with you. But if you're struggling with the desires of your flesh... In my case, if I would rather go and buy a bag of sweets than pray, you know, my flesh wins. My flesh wins. When I'm stressed, I'll eat. My flesh wins. If you're struggling with your flesh, I will need to get prayer too. Let's get some prayer. Let's choose to submit our desires that control us rather than we control them back to Jesus. And people will be available at the back to pray with you. If you'd like someone to stand with you, to pray for strength and courage for you in the battle, in that great big tug of war where we're going, Holy Spirit, win. Let's choose to help the Holy Spirit. Let's stand on his end of the rope and pull. If you feel like your heart has become hard, And you would like a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit today to soften the ground, to make it 
more receptive for the seeds of life that God wants to place within you, ask God to fill you. And if you want to see more fruit in your life, surrender to God again. If you are the good soil and the seeds of planting and glowing, grow, glowing? growing and flourishing, rejoice and pray for someone else because they need your life. <laughs> We're a community, like Rob says. We need to love one another and share and share what we have the words of life that God gives us. If God gives you a prophetic word for somebody, humbly, without telling them that God said, go to them and say, I think God might be saying this, or I think God might have this picture for you. The words of life are within our hands, within the Bible, and within each one of us. Let's be life. Let's be sowers of seeds. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. As I said, we are all affected by our fleshly desires. We all have them, and not one of us here is perfect. We're on a journey together of transformation. So don't be afraid to say to God, I have issues. Don't be afraid to say to another person, I've got issues. They'll probably tell you their issue back. Because we are all broken, but we're all being remade. Uh, if I can ask the band to come back up. We're going to pray together. So let's choose to be courageous this morning. And you don't have to be courageous by coming to the back. You can be courageous in your seat. Just be courageous. Come to God and go... This is me, warts and all, and ask for that transformation. Let's stand together to pray. If God's speaking to you this morning, it doesn't matter what he's saying. If I haven't mentioned something that God is saying and putting on your heart, ignore me, listen to God. Pray for that. Get prayer for that. Whatever it is you need, don't leave without the more this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love, for your goodness and your kindness to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived as a human and fully understand what it is to have fleshly desires. And fully understand what it is to have them under your control. Lord, we need your help. And we submit ourselves to you, Lord. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. We submit to you. And we give you, in this moment, our harmful desires that seek to control us. And ask in their place you would give us a greater filling of your Holy Spirit. That your kingdom would come into these areas of our lives. That we would see transformation. And that we would grow in maturity as Christians. Christians who have noble 
and pure hearts that produce good fruit. We surrender to you, Lord. Give us courage. Give us faith. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd fill us afresh today. Soften our hearts and make them fertile ground for your seeds of life, for salvation, but also your seeds of life that produce good fruit within us. Lord, we thank you for your love. Amen. Thank you.